Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around DFW. I'm your host this week, JT of 100.3 Jack FM. Thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to focus on two important DFW nonprofits that are providing amazing resources regarding COVID-19, business startups for minorities, and so much more. Later on in this hour, we'll speak to Tarsha Polk, director of Lift Funds Women's Business Center, which is rolling out free programming to help DFW minority and women-owned businesses not only survive, but thrive. But joining us now to start this hour is David J. Scullin, President and CEO of Communities Foundation of Texas, which has been serving since 1953. Dave, give me the elevator pitch on what you guys do. Well, JT, thank you. Uh, elevator pitches are tough for community foundations because <laughs> we do a lot of different things. But, you know, in its simplest form, the Communities Foundation of Texas is a community foundation, which means that we are about all things uh, our community. Uh, our mission is to be a foundation for a community where everyone thrives. Uh, and that drives everything we do from the donors that we attract to become part of CFT and set up funds to the uh, grants that we extend to third parties, all oriented towards how do we lift this community into something that's better. And so, Dave, what is your background and where do you come in to the fold here at the organization? Boy, I'll tell you, uh, anyone who thinks that they can see around the corner in life, uh, uh, we think of our own examples. And mine is, uh, uh, is, is com- I'm coming from a very different place. Uh, I had over 40 years in the business work with professional service firms, Arthur Anderson and Deloitte, uh, and I retired uh, about three and a half years ago, or about four years ago, actually, uh, and then I had this opportunity very shortly after I retired to say, would you be interested in interviewing to be the president and CEO of the Community Foundation of Texas? And I thought, oh my gosh, I had never thought about that. I love community. It's uh, one of my strongest values. Um, we're a professional services organization in many respects, and that's what I did for my uh, career, and consequently my skills were natural for it, but actually this became part of my blood. It became a, a passion. It became, I frankly felt like I had a calling, uh, and I took this opportunity and went through the interview process. Uh, they had 50 other people, and I think 49 of them gave up because uh, it was a long, involved process, <laughs> and I was the last one, and they gave me the job, and I'll tell you, it's been just a very moving experience. Very modest of you. I'm sure you were at the top of the list anyways. <laughs> um, what kind of things coming from, uh, I think like you said, and I, I believe I've talked to uh, several people in your position now, and I seem to get a similar response. Like, you know, it's either uh, directly on this sight line the whole way, or it was a complete surprise. So what are what are some of the things that have changed your perspective, surprised you from getting into this world? Uh, I didn't have any real appreciation for how powerful it is. Um, this, uh, this notion of community touches us all. Uh, some of us acknowledge it and recognize, others don't talk about it, but it is a, it's a vortex. Uh, and it attracts 
some of the most wonderful, capable people. Um, I was used to working with uh, the best people in their profession um, around the world uh, with the two major global consulting and accounting firms. Uh, and I thought, oh, I'd have to make an adjustment uh, with quality of people. Um, quite frankly, my adjustment is, if anything, all things considered, they're even better because they are highly capable. But one thing they do, which the private sector doesn't, and that is to a person, 100% of the people who work at Community Foundation of Texas bring their passion in addition to their intellect. And as a result, that is an amazing force multiplier. When you come uh, to work every day, you've got a whole team that shares the same view as to the mission, and they're all in every single day. It's not hard to get up in the morning. Well, that's always a benefit for anything we do in our lives, especially when uh, you're giving back and, and providing the way you guys are. So specifically, how does your involvement with nonprofits in our area here work? Well, um, really the whole, call it the value chain, if you will, uh, we first of all build the spirit of giving here in our community. And we've got about a thousand different individuals, families, businesses, and even some of the nonprofits put money at, uh, at with Communities Foundation of Texas. And then we marshal that support towards where are the best and highest areas in the, in the community. And we advise as to things that can be done with those funds. And so some of it is just that we provide funding support in multiple different ways for nonprofits, sometimes through competitive grants that they apply for. In other cases, we run a giving day. North Texas Giving Day is the biggest single giving day nationally for a number of years now. We run that. Uh, and that allows people who don't have much money just to contribute to nonprofits of, of their choice. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We use some of our own funds to build the capacity of, of nonprofits. So um, we work with about 17 or 18 agencies that deliver services to low-income working families. Most of them are people of color running those families, single moms, for example. And we have provided funding for that group of nonprofits to actually enhance their skills, and we've given them funding to actually hire additional people so that they can deliver a bundle of services to those in need and try to help them get a better job than they otherwise would have gotten to be able to increase their savings level and, and stay above the poverty line. So those are a whole variety of, uh, of, of ways that we help, and there's multiple others. I'm always fascinated to talk uh, to people in your position, especially when you find yourself at sort of the top of the chain. Um, obviously, it's it's one thing to to be able to go out and, and get funds, and, and that can be a lot of hard work sometimes. But then deciding where they go, can you elaborate on, on that part of the process? Yeah, it's uh, a... <laughs> uh, Giving money away is not hard. Giving away money in the right way so that it has an impact is very, very challenging. And so uh, we have competitive grant processes uh, in particular areas. Sometimes it's health. Sometimes it's public safety. Uh, sometimes it's education. Um, and we have expertise in those areas, and we know areas that we're trying to enhance, and we, we invite uh, grants, uh, grant applications in that respect. Uh, in other cases, uh, we try to work closely with other funding organizations, and there's some fantastic private foundations as well as United Way and a, a fellow community foundation by the name of the Dallas Foundation. They're all available in our community. We're constantly talking to them about where the need is, where is the opportunity. Sometimes we will take the lead on trying to address a need and they follow and they provide funding, and sometimes we do it the other way. So it's, it's this notion of using information to identify the need, uh, understanding who are the best nonprofits in that area, and assuring to the extent that you can that those funds go to those organizations that are delivering the most value. Easy to say, but there's thousands and thousands of uh, nonprofits here in uh, North Texas, and the number of needs is too many to enumerate. And so the, the ability to 
put all those in a funnel and be able to evaluate it to identify the, the things that will make the most difference, that's very hard. Now, how long have you been in the North Texas area? Oh, most of my adult life. I moved here in 1981. I was transferred uh, to this area, and I've been here all but four years since 1981. This community has gotten into my into my blood. I've actually had leadership roles. I've lived in Collin County, worked in Dallas. I've had a leadership role in Fort Worth, so I've come to have a a deep sense of appreciation and, frankly, love for what this uh, broad North Texas uh, area offers. I'm in kind of a similar situation. I, I grew up in uh, in Richardson, and then I went to college in Fort Worth. And, you know, getting in, getting into radio, you know, they always <laughs> say be prepared to move all across the country. And, you yeah. know, thank my lucky stars. I've been in the same building for my entire career. We oh, always, wow. we always <laughs> say that... Um, uh, they can't get rid of me even if they tried to. So <laughs> I'm here in DFW. But what are some of the things that you find specifically uh, interesting about this community here that might be different from other places around the country or even in the state? Well, uh, I don't think it's by chance that North Texas Giving Day has become the uh, single largest giving day nationally. Um uh, across the country. Uh, I'd like to say it's all because of what Community Foundation of Texas does uh, to make it successful. I think we do a great job. I'm very proud of my organization. But I have to tell you, the secret ingredient, the secret sauce, is that people here have a deep sense of caring for their community, point one. And point two, they want to help others. Nationally, uh, Dallas, of the cities that give more than $2 million a year, is like number two nationally, giving as a percentage of of, uh, adjusted gross income. So people who live here want it to be better. They want to help themselves, but they want to help others, and they're willing to do that. And they just show that through this period of the uh, horrible coronavirus, People have come to the table with support, with innovation, with volunteer hours uh, in, in a way that's distinctive uh, and memorable. I'm glad you brought up uh, COVID-19 because I believe, look, this has been an unprecedented time for everyone, every walk of life and in every industry. Um, how specifically, uh, one, is it affecting your organization? And two, uh, how are you guys working uh, to help people through COVID-19? Oh, boy. Uh I think it would be very hard to have an organization that wasn't impacted by this pervasive um, uh, pandemic that we are in. So uh, in the span of just a couple of weeks in middle of March, we found ourselves all of a sudden everyone working at home. So we got the technology up and running. People were working off their laptops, uh, and I was so impressed with how quickly they came to the table to uh, work effectively and stay focused on what the task was at hand, which is to use our skills to help others. And we've helped in just <laughs> uh, a variety of different ways. First of all, we uh, formed, we started off with one relief fund called the North Texas uh, uh, Relief Fund. And in the past, oh gosh, 90 days, We have added nine other relief funds to it. The mayor has a relief fund with us. The county judge has a relief fund with us. Uh, We have one uh, supporting small businesses here uh, in the community and and having enough uh, funding to continue to operate with loans, uh, with very low uh, interest rate loads that can be um, uh, extinguished based upon actions that they take. Uh, We have one, I have to share this story, just very, very creative fund that was uh, established called the Get Shift Done Fund. I have to say that very carefully. That's okay. Love the name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And what we did is uh, we were able to facilitate uh, a uh, working with a technology company that has an um, uh, an Uber-like app to be able to schedule shift workers. And we, they use that capability. We were able to get significant funding to support the continued delivery of food to the food banks 
uh, and to those who need it. Because as you well know, the biggest need that came up uh, post as uh, COVID hit is the food scarcity issues and the number of people who are out of work and needed access to food. So that demand went up. They rely on volunteer workers. The volunteers went down, and so all of a sudden we had a big risk of food scarcity. Well, that app was used to hire a lot of displaced hospitality workers because all the restaurants were closed to be able to get some income for those uh, individuals and be able to keep the food supply uh, moving. Over the past 90 days, $10 million has come through that fund, $3 million for North Texas um, to uh, support, oh, I think it's something like 125,000 meals wow. for people here uh, in this community. That's now been um, uh, serving 11 other cities across the country. So there's a bit of innovation that has come together with technology, with people, and caring to really make a difference uh, when it was so important. So it does sound like food, then, you're saying, is has been the most direct way to, to sort of serve this, uh, this problem. Yeah, that's first and foremost. If you don't have food, it's hard to, to uh, um, uh, you know, you, you can't get very far. If, if you don't have water, uh, water is available, but food has been uh, the challenge. Uh, certainly, there have been people out of work uh, and people displaced, uh, trying to help them in in in, in different ways. Uh, transportation has been a challenge. All kinds of social service needs that are out there uh, with uh, healthcare workers and so forth. Uh, it's just been the needs are enormous. Uh, one of the things we did to try to get a uh, handle on it is we uh, put our noggins together with two other terrific organizations, United Way of Metropolitan Dallas and the Dallas Foundation I mentioned earlier. We collectively uh, um, developed a standard grant application. And we said, why don't we all use the same application so the nonprofits that are so much in need, you know, their service levels are going up, they can't use volunteer workers, and guess what? Their fundraising efforts have been uh, disrupted. They need money to, to, or they won't be here in 90 days. We set up what we called North Texas Cares, and we set up a grant, uh, a, uh, a grant application process. We set up a website and a portal that that everybody that had the need, the nonprofits, could submit grant applications to that single portal. We then went out and recruited about 30 different funding organizations, public uh, foundations, private foundations, corporate foundations, and invited them to, uh, to access that database and take a look at which of those they would like to fill. We shared the information with each other as to who was granting to whom, and lo and behold, you know, 60, 75 days later, $35 million has, has, has rolled through um, this um, uh, from applications that went to this portal. The portal is not a fund. The portal is just information source. People can fund that separately, and they share that information. $35 million came and went to those organizations. There's about 1,100 of them. The funding applications have been about $100 million, so we filled about a third of those needs. But the response has been spectacular, and I expect us to use that North Texas CARES portal uh, kind of indefinitely for, for needs as we closely work together with each other. Yeah, I'm glad you use the term indefinitely because, you know, where I sit wondering, and I know everyone is on some degree, um, it's impossible to project anything right now, uh, right, about where yeah. we're going to be three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. So, right. so what, what do you guys do and what is your, you know, sort of forward outlook as you're preparing for what could be down the road and, and how you become involved with that? Oh boy, I'll tell you, it's a 64, put a lot of zeros after that 64 uh, question. <laughs> um, well, there's some things we know. Um, first of all, uh, we know the virus is going to be impacting us indefinitely. Um, that's point one. Point two, we know that the funding efforts used by many nonprofits has been disrupted. Uh, many nonprofits use 
uh, events and pull people together and, you know, dinners and lunches and uh, museum tours and whatever it is, events that bring people together um, to get their funding uh, to support their nonprofit. Those That's all gone. That is uh, mostly gone. Uh, and so our North Texas Giving Day um, capability. It's it's more than technology. It's a construct that we use, uh, and it's a construct because there's 3,000 nonprofits that we are used to working with. They have given us their detailed profiles as to what they're uh, all about, and we've loaded it into some very excellent technology. But part of the the connection is we when we talk to them, we're going to do something they jump on it because they know they can count on us to deliver. Uh, we're going to continue to do giving days. We did one um, in in May, on May the 8th, um, and United Way of Metropolitan Dallas jumped in with us. Uh, they've had a, um, a platform um, for the uh, Giving Tuesday, which is a global giving event, but they joined with us. We joined with them, and the Dallas uh, Cowboys joined, and we used the power of the profile of those 3,000 organizations uh, all pulling from their donor base together with our deep relationships, uh, the deep connections of United Way and the Dallas Cowboys. And 45,000 people gave $21 million uh, in May just to support um, these uh, nonprofits. That money was coming from you and me and individuals here in the community, not big foundations. It came from a, a retail source, if you will. Uh, and wow. uh, I think that tool is going to be used even more in the future because uh, other forms just aren't going to be as effective and as efficient. Now, you've touched on North Texas Giving Day a couple times, and yeah. it's become a very, uh, you know, big brand, so to speak, in our area. I would be surprised uh, if very many people didn't know about it, but <laughs> if they don't, you know, in a quote-unquote normal year, uh, explain North Texas Giving Day for everyone if you can. Sure. Well, it's, a, it's an online giving platform uh, which is used uh, to create attention around the importance of community and the nonprofit uh, organizations that help others in the community. Uh, and it allows someone in a very easy, efficient, and frankly enjoyable um, uh, uh, circumstance to go in and entered the data, find the nonprofit, they totally decide where they want their money to go, and you can't think of a nonprofit that's not in our uh, uh, portal. And we have validated uh, those organizations. They're all North Texas uh, organizations. They're not based somewhere else. They have to have a, a premise here in North Texas. You go in, if you want to give a dollar, you can give a dollar. If you want to give $100, that's fine. If you want to give a lot more money, you can. We go out and get... Uh, contributions uh, that are treated as bonus funds. Um, there are challenge grants for individual uh, nonprofits that, that spike up the contributions so that if you give a dollar, you might find that the uh, organization might get two or three dollars. And always the money that you give ends up in the hands of the nonprofit. It's substantially a pass-through. We have others that pay for some of the technology costs and so forth. So this is uh, literally the most efficient, effective way to give funds to those you want to give to and to do it as part of a, a broad-based community effort. Last year, um, 100,000 people in North Texas, so across 20 counties, gave $50 million to 3,000 nonprofits. Wow. Now tell me any other event that would result in something like that. In addition, that same group um, offered something like uh, 631,000 hours of service hours to support nonprofits that use volunteer workers. So it's a huge uh, community-oriented event, and those who participate in it, when we take surveys after the fact, they tell us the biggest reason they do it is they feel like they're part of something bigger. Well, you, sp you spoke there about it. You guys have obviously had tremendous success with North Texas Giving Day. And I, f I find it really interesting 
um, you look at different times of the year and, you know, the, the near the holidays, for example, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's yeah. always, um, there's always a need and there's, there's mm-hmm. always promotion around, uh, give here, donate here. Here's, yeah. the, here's this event. Here's that event. So when you guys have had so much success and everything's built around a day, right? North Texas right. giving day. Right. Uh, I'd be interested to know how you decide when to have that day. Oh, on the I calendar. Love that question. Yeah, I love that question. We've historically done it in September. And by the way, this year it's September 17th, uh, 2020 is going to be the date. Uh, we've done it in September because we think it's outside the holiday season. It's before the nonprofits are gearing up for the end of the year. They often have some of their own efforts that are focused just on their nonprofit late in the year. But September is a time people are back in school. They're focused on the fall. It's, it it is, has worked out extremely well. Uh, it's not a dead period. There are no dead periods, but it's a period of time people are building enthusiasm for the fall months, uh, and it's a great time to collectively recognize our nonprofit organizations. And... Uh, uh, the community has come to depend upon that. The nonprofits look forward to it. Uh, historically, there have been many convening events, North Park Mall, you might, uh, different malls around the area, Arlington, Fort Worth, uh, Collin County. We've had different convening events, uh, and people like to get together and then go and, and, and give. Uh, this year, we're not going to be convening. Uh, we're going to be doing it mostly off of technology and advertising and trying to create focus on it. So we don't really know exactly what to expect, but we know it's going to be an awful lot better than doing nothing. Right. So Thursday, September 17th, mark your calendars, North Texas <laughs> yes. Giving Day. Uh, Dave, this conversation has been so illuminating for me. And before I let you go, I was just curious, uh, being in your role for the amount of time that you have and, and getting to touch so many different facets of this, I wondered if you if you might be able to leave us with you know a personal story that stood out to you, uh, a connection that you've built, something like that. Yeah, yeah I'm happy to. Um... One of the things I didn't get a chance to talk about earlier is the work we're doing in education. It's a longer story, and maybe we can save that for another time, but we have an educational consultancy called Educate Texas. Uh, We have a lot of national funding that supports us. We're trying to improve the statewide education system, working with the state of Texas, so forth. Um, And a few years back with Hurricane Harvey, um, when it came through, it displaced many, many uh, um, uh, kids who had just started school. They had just bought their, uh, bought their books, and now they're underwater because of the hurricane. And many, uh, we were able to put together, with the support of school districts around the state, funding to support some of the students getting their books back and just giving them a stipend of maybe $1,000 to get books and to do some other things. Otherwise, they might have uh, uh, fallen out of school. There was a lot of that during the Katrina time. Uh, And after that was done, about 60 days later, 90 days later, every week I started getting letters from individual students saying, do you know what difference this made for me? I was able to stay in school, and here are my goals in life, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, it wasn't me that did it, <laughs> but I was signing the checks. Uh, my name was on the checks, and so they sent it to me. And I have to tell you that that has stayed with me uh, as a deep sense of satisfaction uh, for what it is we're all about. That's awesome. What a what a cool benefit for you. It's a gift that, that you get yeah. for, for being involved, right? Yes. It is, JT. Okay, Dave, uh, let people know if they want more information about you guys, if they want to get involved, uh, where do they go and how do they do it? We, we have a great website. I would encourage all your listeners just to take a look at it. It's uh, CF, uh, cft.com, communitiesfoundationtexas.com, and uh, just enter it in your browser, find us, <laughs> and Start looking at some of the things we're doing. We have so many places that you can check in. You don't have to open a fund with us to have a relationship. Relationships matter, and relationships are long-term. So please check us out, uh, and I hope I have the opportunity to meet a number of your listeners here at, at a future date. 
I'm sure we will, and I hope that we get to meet in person at a future date uh, as well, especially for the listening audience. Uh, You heard Dave talk about how COVID-19 has affected the community. Um, I know personally with things that the station's been involved with, you know, meeting people who have never been in the position before in their life uh, to, to have to go, you know, ask for for free food uh, down Mm. to people who deal with this every day. Mm. And now they're affected even more um, as, as we push through this and we don't know exactly what's around the corner. uh, I I promise you uh, that, uh, that your time, uh, your funds, if you so choose will be uh, in good use. If you go in and visit the website there and Mm. see more about what they've got going on. So Dave Scullin, president and CEO communities foundation of Texas. Thank you so, much for your time now you're you're so welcome jt i enjoyed it and your listeners should just know that they can count on us thank you so much have a great day bye thank you once again for joining us for better living this morning i'm jt from 100.3 jack fm as we now transition from speaking with dave scullin of communities foundation of texas to tarsha polk director of lift funds women's business center tarsha thank you so much for joining us this morning Sure, JT. Thanks so much. Yes, we are the Lisbon Women's Business Center. We are a nonprofit organization that supports women and minorities to help them become successful and grow their businesses. Uh, Lisbon is one of the largest micro lenders in the country. And you might be thinking, or your listeners might be thinking, well, what is micro? Micro means a small loan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we provide small loans to uh, businesses who are considered unbankable. And in addition to those small loans, we offer training and resources to help the business owner become successful. And I always like to make sure to... Um, you know, sort of introduce the audience to who we're talking to and how they got involved. So, Tarsha, what's your sort of background and, and how did you get involved in the organization? Yeah, so the short story of it is, is I had a business for 17 years as an entrepreneur and uh, had a really good relationship with Fund prior to uh, working with the organization. I would attend some of their Uh, workshops. I even spoke at one of their workshops and uh, one of their employees would attend some of the events that I would put on. And so that relationship had been there for a while. Uh, One of their employees back in 2018 reached out to me while I was self-employed and uh, asked me to write a letter of support uh, to support LIFUN in opening this women's business center. And absolutely, I jumped on board with it, loved the list fund, loved um, the relationship we had. So I wrote that letter of support in February of 2018. In April of 2018, a colleague of mine gave me a call and said, uh, list fund won that grant um, with the support of the U.S. Small Business administration to open up a women's business center in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but they were looking for a director, and they hadn't found one. So she recommended me, and, you know, that's the story. I uh, just, you know, from the relationship I've had in the business community and working with LiveFun, it was just a great opportunity to do something that I had always been doing, which is supporting small business owners, specifically women and minorities, to help them become successful. So that's how I got involved with uh, the organization. Well, that's that's so very cool that you had a, a very direct effect on what then became your, your now role. Right. And a lot of people just don't get that opportunity to get paid to do what they're passionate about. Mm. And I, I just, I'm just very blessed and fortunate to be able to do what I love and what I'm passionate about. Well, I'm with you on that one, and but we're lucky that uh, what you're passionate about is something that helps a lot more people than, than, than mine. I'm entertaining. But, yes. um, <laughs> um, so you use the phrase considered unbankable. So I'm curious, how do people fall into that category? Yes, so it is a term 
that is used when an individual goes to a bank and they may not have the right kind of credit score or their credit history might be a little bit shaky or they do not have the proper business plan or financial projections. And so when they go to a traditional bank, uh, you know, they, traditional banks look for at least a, a credit score in the 700s before issuing a, a small loan. They want to see your financial projections. They want to see your business plan. And oftentimes that micro business owner, micro meaning under 10 employees, sometimes a solopreneur, they just don't have those types of resources, right? Mm. And so they're considered unbankable. The good thing is there are hundreds of microlenders across the country and several within the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And these microlenders really focus on helping the little guy or the little woman become bankable by providing them with technical assistance. And so that word phrase technical assistance means training, coaching, mentoring, and resources to get them to be more attractive to a bank. And then we, we give them a small loan to get them started. A small loan, we go as low as $500 on the loan, but our average size loan is around 31000 uh, So when we talk about that phrase of unbankable, it just means that they, you know, the credit score, their uh, financial history may not be at a place where a traditional bank would want to see. So they would come to an organization like Lift Fund and the Women's Business Center to help to give them a lift. You know, that, that's why Lift Fund name is Lift, to give them a lift. Absolutely. So then what are the things that you and your team look at where you go, okay, well, a traditional bank would consider uh, this person or this potential business unbankable, but here are the things that we see where we find that this would be a good investment for our community for us to get behind. Absolutely. So most financial institutions look at the five C's of credit. You know, that's kind of a standard thing. So while we do look at a credit score, uh, we have given loans to people whose credit scores were in the 500s, and that's unheard of. When you, if you go to a traditional bank, you know, you're not going to see that. And many of those people who have those credit scores in the low 500s, low uh, 600s, they tend to go to uh, those, like, cash advance type places mm. to get loans. And, of course, those interest rates are, like, three times what it should be. Yeah. So uh, so we do, while we look at credit score, the other thing that we look at is their capacity. So maybe their credit score might be low because of a divorce or medical situation, but we see that they have been paying their bills on time. Um, that is a good indicator for us. Another good indicator might be that they have collateral to back the loan. So maybe it, it is a transportation company, and they want to use their trucks as collateral. Uh, we, those are things that we look at as well to uh, see, to determine whether or not an individual would uh, be a good fit for one of our programs, our lending programs. Well, I think we all know examples of people who uh, might have just been put in a tough spot from the beginning, and they they really, um, you know, we're so lucky to have an organization like yours that um, can give people really that that first chance because a lot of people, um, you know, are never put in in the situation where they even have the opportunity uh, to get themselves to that. 700 credit score in the first place because of the things life throws at them. Yeah, and that's why it's important to have technical assistance. So it's more than just the funding. And that is the really the core of what the Women's Business Center does is provide those people who are either interested in getting a loan, we educate them in financial literacy. We have partnership with other financial institutions who support our organization 
And we offer financial Fridays. So the second Friday of each month, we focus on some form of financial literacy, whether it be understanding credit scores, uh, looking at how to build personal credit or business credit. We uh, also uh, have workshops on how to access capital. What does banks? What do banks look for in order for you to to be attractive for a small business loan? So the education is key because it's, it's great to have this loan, but if you don't know how to project your cash flow or read the top three financial statements, it's going to be challenging for you to manage that uh, those funds properly. So the the training that we do is just as important as the lending that we do. Well, once again, I, I'm so thankful that organizations like yours are are providing that financial education because I, I think it's an it's unfortunate truth that our basic education systems are not providing that financial literacy at a base level. I mean, you know, even me, I had every opportunity in the world growing up and I didn't know anything about financial literacy from junior high or high school, anything like that. Unless your you, your parents uh, teach you those things, uh, you you don't learn it until you kind of get into this real world, and mm. you're like, you know, hey, I, I need to learn how to balance a checkbook, and especially when you're in college, and then all of those credit card companies are like, hey, you know, get this credit card and get that credit card. So at an early stage in our lives, we tend to um, not understand how valuable having uh, good credit is because long, in the long term, that impacts whether you're going to get a business loan, whether you're going to get a home. Uh, even now, whether you're going to be able to get an apartment in an area in which you would like. Uh, so that is very important in, in those financial literacy classes that we offer. But not only do we offer the financial literacy, because that's an important aspect, as you know, we're, our target audience are business owners. So we really educate, train, and support entrepreneurs in the three big buckets of business. And I call those three big buckets money, marketing, and management. So we've already talked about the money. You know, we get, we, we lend money, and we also have grants uh, for those that have been impacted by COVID. Um, but we also have marketing workshops. So we, uh, we want people to be able to, uh, in order to increase your revenue, you got to have customers. And in mm. order to have customers, you got to market to customers. So we uh, offer a variety of marketing workshops. Uh, we have uh, experts in marketing that provide some mentoring and guidance and coaching. Uh, and then the other M is management. And so a lot falls under that bucket, such as legal issues. Uh, we partner with other uh, nonprofit organizations that provide free legal assistance. We do it a couple of times a year. Uh, the most recent one was back in May where we talked about the legal implications of COVID-19. Uh, so we, we really take this holistic approach to uh, help the business owner be successful. And many times, the services that we offer, if, if an individual were to go hire an attorney or hire a marketing consultant or hire an HR consultant, it would be costing them thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we are nonprofit, so we receive grants and we receive funds from other organizations so that we can offer our services at no cost or very low cost. You mentioned uh, COVID-19 there, and, and I'm curious, I know you guys have been doing a bunch of work recently um, to help those affected by it. What are some of the ways, uh, some of the uh, most poignant ways you, you have seen COVID-19 affecting these uh, female-owned, minority-owned small businesses that you work with? Yeah, it's, it's been very, very challenging. I, you know, I like to say that our organization and many of the organizations like us have been on the front lines for small business owners. You know, you have your frontline employees at the grocery store, at the hospital, uh, but 
we who have been trying to support and give guidance to help these small businesses sustain and survive and thrive, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I remember the first week that things shut down here in Dallas. Our, I mean, we were receiving like 10 to 15 calls a day from people asking, what should I do? How, you know, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Where do I turn? I've had women cry on the phone because they were in jeopardy of losing their business because that was the only, biz- only way that they could support their families. Mm. And so, as you know, these are very unprecedented, challenging times, and these business owners are working really hard. Our sweet spot is the micro-business, so, again, under 10 employees, and the minority-owned business. And many of these micro-businesses, they lacked access to resources and the support that they needed to stay afloat. So, we... You know, we saw, we surveyed some of our uh, clients back in June, and um, 85% of them that were surveyed said cash flow was a problem Mm. as a result of COVID, and 55% of them saw a 75% or more loss in revenue. So, yeah. So you, you're thinking about, so if you, if you can imagine, our, our sweet spot clients are hair salon, uh, hair salon owners. Uh, these are barbers. These are mom and pop restaurant owners. These are daycares. And these, this is their livelihood. And if they're losing 75% or more in revenue, how long do you think they're going to stay in business? While they came to our organization and applied for PPP, uh, Paycheck Protection Program funds, they came to our organization to get assistance with the economic disaster injury loan, but those, those funds can only take them so far. And so it's really critical that we provide resources to help to sustain them. And that is why we put together the COVID relief support website because it's a resource hub of news and information in the area because it's it's quite overwhelming <laughs> yeah to sort through what is available and so we do our best to keep a running list of up-to-date resources as it relates to funding whether that's loans and grants uh, on there we also uh, put resources that from you know the Small Business Administration, from other local organizations in the area, and um, we do our best to connect them to those resources to help them stay afloat. Well, I heard you use the term emotional in there as well, and when you think about uh, these micro businesses, as you term them. You know, you have the people who are who are getting into these businesses to support their family, right? But but then, as you build the business, all of a sudden you're supporting other people's families who become your employees. And yeah. while that, while that can be a great sense of pride and a and a reason uh, to be a small business owner, when we come into an unprecedented time like this, all of a sudden now you have the stress of supporting these other people's families as well. Um, and I see on here that emotional wellness coaching is also part of this for you guys. Can you talk about that? Yes. You know, entrepreneurial leaders, they need support, specifically women. I mean, we, we are the Women's Business Center. We, we help everyone. Our emotional wellness program is called How to Cope with covid and it is an emotional, a three-month emotional wellness coaching program that's led by a professional licensed counselor and life coach. And we, and you know, as I, myself and my team, we've been supporting these business owners. We've gone through our own emotional roller coaster. Just, you know, I remember times not sleeping at night because I was worried about somebody else's business. 
And I was thinking hard, like, for example, uh, one of our clients, uh, Divine Generation Daycare in Grand Prairie, she was at she had to lay off some of her employees. So that's keeping her up at night. Mm. <laughs> that's keeping me up at night. So we're all going through this emotional roller coaster. Uh, so these entrepreneurial leaders, they need the emotional support in order to lead their company through this crisis during this challenging time. Because these tough decisions like furloughing employees or having to reduce business hours or even changing the way they have to operate, it's, you know, it's scary, it's frustrating. Uh, I'm quite sure it keeps a lot of people up at night. Our emotional wellness uh, sessions, we host them every other week over the next couple of months. And what happens is we have a uh, emotional wellness counselor and life coach. She talks about uh, how entrepreneurs can manage through a crisis and lead their businesses to recovery. She covers uh, how to manage your stress and anxiety. Uh, she talks about how to discover, uh, once you identify those emotional triggers, what do you do to manage it? I've even sat on many of the sessions, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then and while attending the, the sessions, then you break into these small group coaching sessions. And those are really intimate sessions, uh, five or six people who really – identify things that they want to work on specifically uh, to help them manage through this challenging time. So it's really tough out there. And I just want your listeners to know that you, many of them may have went to their bank to get assistance for PPP and they couldn't really get anyone on the phone or they really wasn't able to have someone to talk to. Or maybe you've tried to call that 800 number uh, with the SBA and you wasn't able to get anyone, we are here to offer guidance. We're here to support. And you're able to talk to a, r- a real person who really, really cares about your business and who stayed up late nights just like you are worried about your business. So that's what really makes us uh, very unique in that not only taking that holistic approach, but really having a team of people who are emotionally invested in our clients' businesses as much as they are. Well, I hope people take you up on that because it's an incredible resource. You know, we all need it. Um, the people you're serving, I, I think, more need it uh, more than anyone and, and more than ever. Uh, Tarsha, could you tell us about some of your favorite success stories from Lift Funds Women's Business Center? Yes. So a couple. I'll share two. One that's COVID-related and the other that's not. So we, uh, when uh, COVID happened, of course, this uh, company, they own an interior design uh, company in uh, Dallas. They have 27 employees and they went to their bank, and their bank at were, didn't offer the PPP. They were not one of the SBA-approved lenders to offer it. Mm. So she was frantic. She didn't know what to do. And thankfully, our organization is listed on the SBA's website as one of the approved lenders. So she came to us. Uh, we walked her through the entire process of applying for both economic injury loans the PPP loan, and then also provided her some guidance on what do you do to continue your business after this. And thankfully, this business received um, over 500000 in PPP and economic injury for her business. Wow. So while she had to modify the way she does business because People were reluctant to have her, her staff come into their homes, into their offices. And, of course, some offices are shut down and people are working remotely. So things actually changed. So she had to become more innovative. But the fact that she wasn't able to get what the funds she needed from her bank and was able to come to us to 
keep her employees. She was able to keep her employees and also sustain her business through this challenging time. So we're very proud to be there for businesses in that way. Uh, and then an, another story, not COVID-related, but um, late last year, we had a young lady come in, and she owns a construction business. So not many women in construction. No, that's very cool. Yeah. She started, uh, she was the office manager for another construction uh, firm here in the Dallas area. And when she came to our office, she said this story. She said, I was running the office. I was running the business. I was doing all the work while the owner of the business was playing golf. Right. <laughs> she, she was like, I was making all the decisions. I, I was doing everything. And, and she said, I had no ownership, no percentage in any of the success that she directly impacted for that company. So she decided she wanted to start her own construction business because she knew how to run it. So with the help of her husband, although she is 51% owner of the business, with the help of her husband, she launched her own construction business. She already knew what to do, where to go, uh, but she just didn't know how to operate the business side of things because she you know, wasn't the owner of the previous company. So she came to our Women's Business Center. Uh, we coached her on... Uh, setting up her legal structure, the proper legal structure. We coached her on getting the proper insurance to protect herself and her staff. We uh, coached her on how to get certified as a woman-owned and a minority-owned. This female is a Latina, and so there were there are many opportunities for minority women, specifically in construction, but she didn't realize that she could get certified as a woman-owned and a minority-owned firm to, to increase her chances to get bigger contracts. So while helping her over a three-month period, she was able to become a preferred vendor with um, Lowe's. Uh, and so that it, it was just amazing that within a three-month time period, and she worked really hard and did all the things that we told her to do, and she became a preferred vendor, for, uh, preferred vendor for uh, Lowe's in the area of roofing and uh, fencing. Wow. So that's one of the other success stories that we have. Well, what an incredible message for anyone out there who has the experience at, at the job, right? But maybe doesn't know or maybe doesn't have the, the confidence that they could go out and start a business themselves, but craves that ownership uh, like you spoke of. Uh, what a great message that, that, that they can connect with someone like you um, to, to get that assistance and, and get those resources. I really hope anyone listening who finds themselves in that situation or knows someone that might be in that situation uh, will reach out to you all uh, because what an opportunity. We all benefit in the community here from people who start their own locally run small businesses, especially um, when it's women and minorities. Yeah. And you've probably heard on the news uh, from Dallas County Health and Human Services when COVID started, the infection rate is 24% of Hispanics and 19% African American, and combined that that represents 70. Um, sorry, represents 43% of all Dallas County infections of COVID, mm -hmm. and so. That minority group represents 72% of the Women's Business Center clients and 89% of them being women. So that's why we are partnering with minority chambers and other organizations to ensure that business owners in underrepresented communities get access to the resources that we need. And lastly, I just want to say to your listeners, if you are a business owner who were able to successfully pivot or navigate through COVID, uh, here is an opportunity for you to partner with an organization like ours to become a mentor to some of these 
um, minority firms that just didn't get access to some of the resources that some of the other firms may have. So if your listeners are interested in becoming mentors, presenters, uh, we welcome that. And they could come to our website, covidreliefsupport.com, to learn more about our programs, to get involved, and to help us help those small businesses thrive and strive during this this unprecedented time. Well, Tarsha, thank you so much, and I do encourage our listeners to to please uh, visit and and reach out to find out how you can get involved. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Yes. We are hosting on August 17th a virtual roundtable where we'll feature experts in the hair and beauty industry who will share how they have been able to successfully reopen during a pandemic. And all of that can be found on our events page, liftfund.com forward slash events. Tarsha Polk, Lift Funds Women's Business Center, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel so much smarter after talking to you, and, <laughs> and I feel a lot better uh, about where we are in the community as uh, it pertains specifically to COVID-19 as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, JT. Appreciate it. I'm JT of 100.3 Jack FM. Thank you for letting me serve as your host this week on Better Living. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things right here in our community. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.